The following podcast is sponsored by the new Hood College Gear Shop. The gear shop replaces the old Hood bookstore. Most of us remember the bookstore is just a place where we bought or rented books. Well, that's not the case anymore. The Hood College Gear Shop is a great place to buy all kinds of things. Need some Hood brand merch? You'll find hoodies and t-shirts, hats and scarves, sweats, socks, mugs and cups. They even have hood branded blankets. Low on shampoo or soap? They have you covered. Bad breath before class? Buy some gum or Tic Tacs. Need a pen, highlighter, or notebook? The gear shop has ton. Does your roommate have a dog? Buy them a hood college leash or collar. Need some Advil or Tums? The gear shop has your back. Need a last minute birthday gift for your best friend? you'll find plenty of options. What I'm saying is the Hood College Gear Shop has you covered for all of your gift, school, snack, and blazer branded clothing needs. So the next time you're in WIT, stop in and browse around. Mention my name, Jordan Costley, and the name of this podcast, Minority Minds, and receive 10% off your purchase of any Hood branded merchandise. But take a listen to the show first. Minority, minority, minority minds. Minority, minority, minority minds. Matter. Hello, I'm your host with the most, Jordan Costley, and welcome to Minority Minds. This is the very first episode of Minority Minds, so. Once again, welcome. Today's first discussion will be about historical facts that some people may have not learned in school. One thing I want you to think about through today's podcast is how or why is history important? But first, I want to tell you more about why I wanted to create this podcast. As an African-American female who attends Hook College, There are so many vast experiences, both good and bad, that minority students have experienced at Hood. All those voices deserve to be heard, and I wanted to create that space and facilitate education regarding several aspects of the minority students' time at Hood College. All that being said, let's get rolling with historical facts you may have or may have not learned in school. Starting with women's history. For my art lovers, how many female artists can you name? I know I cannot name any. Gender discrimination in the art world has left women out regarding art history. So today I want to provide you with two different female artists, one present day and one for history. For the present day artists, we will be talking about Cornelia Parker. An historical woman in art is Clara Peters. Starting with Cornelia Parker, She was a female artist born in 1965. She faced physical abuse from her father growing up, yet that hurdle did not keep her from becoming an amazing artist. She's known for her sculptures and art installations. The quote-unquote controversy of her work is since she melts, steamrolls, and even sometimes blows up materials just to build them back up. She is still living today and creating art. Our historical woman in history of art is Clara Peters. 
during the 17th century, she was creating self-portraits and was one of the first women artists working professionally in the 17th century. Another woman in history that's important is Dorothy Heights. She's known as the godmother of the women's movement. Dorothy Heights had a background in education and social work, and she used these to advance women's rights. She was a leader in the Young Women's Christian Association, also abbreviated as YWCA, and was the president of National Council of Negro Women, the NCNW. For more than 40 years, she was also among the few women present at the 1963 March on Washington, where Dr. King delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. Moving on to African-American history, today's African-American history is about Black Wall Street. In Tesla, Oklahoma, in the Greenwood District, founded and developed by African-Americans on former Native American territory. This community ended up flourishing economically and culturally until May 31, 1921. Unfortunately, an angry mob of white individuals rampaged through what was recorded 35 blocks of the community that had been better known as Black Wall Street. This mob consisted of armed individuals who looted and burned down businesses, schools, and even a hospital, and shot people to their deaths. You would think you would learn something like this in school. I don't know about you, but I never knew about the Tesla Race Massacre until I was in college, and it wasn't even in a history class. Due to the lack of the acknowledgement of this event, for most people, this history could become lost. And because of that, there's not even a confirmed number of deaths from that event. Some historians record 36, but some also estimate that there may have been up to 300 deaths. Continuing with African-American history that you may not have known, well, you all know Dr. Martin Luther King. Heck, there's a whole federal holiday dedicated to him. Side fact about that is this was not recognized as a federal holiday until 1983, and it wasn't in all government state holidays until the year 2000. Dr. King is known and credited for the March on Washington in August of 1963, but it was Bayard Rustin who organized, strategized, in the shadows. As a gay man who had controversial ties to communism, he was considered too much of a liability to be on the front lines of the movement. Nonetheless, he was considered to be one of the most brilliant minds and served his community tirelessly while pushing for more jobs and better wages. And his name is spelled B-A-Y- A-R-D-R-U-S-T-I-N. Moving on to one more additional African-American in history, I want to talk about Robert Segesac Abbott. Now, without Robert Segesac Abbott, who was born in 1869 and lived until 1940, who was a creative vision, many of the black publications of today, such as Ebony, Essence, Black Enterprise, and Upscale, wouldn't exist. In 1905, Abbott founded the Chicago Defender Weekly newspaper. The paper originally started out as a four-page pamphlet, increasing in circulation with every edition. Abbott and his newspaper played an integral part in encouraging African Americans to migrate from the South for better economic opportunities. And his name is spelled R-O- 
B-E-R-T-S-E-N-G-S-K-A-C-K-E-A-B-B-O-T-T. Different histories are being silenced, especially for the LGBTQIA community. So today I hope to provide you with some history. In pre-colonial times, same-sex partnerships were commonplace and accepted in Native American communities as well. Before their lands were colonized, over 150 tribes of indigenous persons are recorded as respecting integrated gender expressions and of those who do not ascribe to a binary experience with gender. Continuing with the LGBTQIA history, the primary organization for gay men during an oppressed culture was the Mattachine Society, founded in 1950 by Harry Hay and Chuck Rowland. The Mattachine Society, initially called the Mattachine Foundation, began as a secret organization in Los Angeles in 1950. The Mettachine Society went on to become one of the several promoting groups organizing during the period of LGBTQIA activism. It was all referred to the homophile movement. And this foundation and society had chapters opening up in numbers of states and it became its own review. In 1955, regional organizations also published their own periodicals and newsletters. Now, I most likely pronounced the name of the group incorrectly, so I really want to make sure I spell it correct. It's spelled M-A-T-T-A-C-H-I-N-E. Now, a couple more things about the LGBTQIA experience and especially about their history In your history class, did you ever learn about the 1969 Stonewall Riots? I know I didn't. On July 28, 1969, New York City officers raided the Stonewall Inn, which was a gay bar in Greenwich Village in New York. Police roughly hauled out employees and patrons out of the bar. This roughness included female officers checking the gender of cross-dressed individuals. What really sparked the riot was a police officer hitting an individual who was who identified as a lesbian over her head and forced her into the police car. As she was being put into the police car, she shouted to people who was who were observing to act. Individuals started throwing pennies, cobblestones, bottles, and other objects at police. And that rioting continued for several days. There is so much more to this story, so please research the Stonewall Riots, which is also known as the Stonewall Uprising, to see how the mob comes into play. Although gender affirmation medicine and surgeries seem more modern, the first surgery that helped trans individuals transition actually occurred in 1920. Medical centers of the time recognized the skill and expertise of transgender medical professionals who were employed by the lead surgeon, a gay Jewish man, Magnus Hischerfeld. His institution opened in Germany in 1919. 
and it provided those who found community there with education about contraception, sexual health, and research and services that affirm gender and sexuality. This was not a place where queer people experiences were treated as deviant or researchers sought cures for their queer identity as though it was mundane. Instead, his work promoted wellness and led to progression in queer rights. And his last name is spelled H-I-R-S-C-H-F-E-L-D. Moving along to Asian American history, how much do you know about who were the first related to the U.S. Congress? If you're anything like me, it's not much. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret that shouldn't be kept. In 1954, Dalip Singh Saad became the first Asian American who was elected to the U.S. Congress. Saeed was born in India in 1899 and came to the United States to study math in 1920. He eventually earned his doctorate degree from the University of California in Berkeley. Continuing with the theme of first, moving to the House of Representatives, do you know who was the first woman of color elected? It was Patsy Mink. She was elected in 1964. She was the daughter of a second-generation Japanese immigrant. She was faced with racism while attending the University of, of Nebraska. Mink mobilized students, alumni, and employees to fight against the school's segregation policy. Now, her time in the House of Representatives was between 1964 and 1977, along with 1990 until 2002. The Title IX law, which she co-authored with Senator Birch Bayh, following Mink's death, Title IX was renamed the Patsy T. Mink Gender Equality and Educational Act. And Birch Bayh's last name is spelled B-A-Y-A, and Patsy T. Mink is spelled P-A-T-S-Y-T space M-I-N-K. Do you like popcorn? I know I surely do, but do you know who invented popcorn? Indigenous persons are the reason that you get to enjoy popcorn. The indigenous people of America domesticated the strain of maize which produces popcorn thousands of years ago. In fact, popcorn artifacts dating back to 6,700 years ago, and it was discovered in Peru. An article from the Representative Project discusses Faith Spotted Eagle, Faith Spotted Eagle, who is a Native American act activist, peacemaker, educator, therapist, and self-proclaimed hellraiser. A member of the Yonkus Sink Nation in South Carolina, Spotted Eagle is a recognized leader of the fight against the Keystone XL and Dakota Access oil pipelines. In 2016, she became the first Native American to receive an electoral vote for president, though she wasn't even running. She is a founding member of the Braveheart Society. She helped develop the first Native woman's shelter, and she provides PTSD therapy for veterans and tribes. And the name of her tribe is spelled Y-A-N-K-T-O-N. S-I-U-X-N-A-T-I-O-N. Moving right along, do you know who Dr. Graden is? 
She was diagnosed with autism at an early age and she didn't speak until she was nearly four years old. Fortunately, her mother defied the advice of doctors and kept her out of an institution. The life was hard. Her formative years gave way to study in animal science and a career in the livestock industry. Today, half of the cattle in the United States are handled in facilities she designed. In 2011's Time magazine, she was named one of their 100 most influential people. Now, the only reason I know about Dr. Gradden is because she did a talk in Frederick and she was featured on the HCB Studios morning announcement, announce and invite people to come and see her talk. Up next and connecting back to the art world is Frida Anu, a Mexican-American artist known for her portraits inspired by nature and Mexican artifacts. She lived with polio as a child and her paintings were inspired by her chronic pain with polio and an injury in a bus accident that re-inspired her to paint. Before the accident, she was headed to go to medical school. Her art style explores questions of identity, postcolonialism, gender, class, and race in Mexican society. Her paintings often had strong autobiographical elements and mixed realism with fantasy. And her last name is spelled K-A-H-L-O. Moving on to Hispanic American history that you may not know, have you ever heard of the Zoot Suit Riots? During the 1940s, Los Angeles was deeply segregated. White American communities, while fighting in World War II, began to see Latina youth as delinquent. And they were wearing these stylish Zoot Suits, and apparently that made them even more delinquent and anti-American. These Zoot Suits were featured with a lot of fabric and a lot of fabric was quote-unquote un-American. This growing resentment boiled over and in the summer of 1943 a fight broke out between servicemen and some of the young zoot suitors. They became viciously attacking anyone who was wearing this infamous suit including African Americans and Filipino Americans. Those attacks have would be carried out through the Los Angeles area and involved several thousand servicemen, police officers, and civilians. They lasted several days and left hundreds beaten and humiliated, and many of them were forced to strip naked in the middle of the street. The Brown Berets is a pro-Chichino parlor military organization that emerged during the Chichino movement in the late 1960s. David Chantez and Carlos Montes co-founded the group and they modeled it after the Black Panther Party. The Brown Berets were part of the Third World Liberation Front and it worked for education reform, farmer workers' rights, and against police brutality and the Vietnam War. It also sought to separate the American Southwest from the control of the United States government. And Chichano Parliament, specifically Chichano is spelled C-H-I-C-A-N-L. And those are historical facts that you may have or may have not known. Thank you for joining me, Jordan Cosley, on this podcast, Minority Minds, and please stay tuned for upcoming episodes. A shameless plug, the introduction music of this podcast was written 
conducted and produced by me, Jordan Costley. Lastly, I'm going to leave you with a trivia question that will be answered in the next episode of this podcast, so stay tuned. Who was the first black woman to earn a doctorate from MIT? Minority, minority, minority minds. Minority, minority, minority minds. Matter. Well, how about that? How's your mind feeling after that discussion? Isn't it so interesting how much we can learn in a small time? I hope you come back and join me on my next podcast for Minority Minds. I'm your host with the most, Jordan Costley. And be kind to your mind.